welcome to the Joyful Nourishment Podcast, a place for conversations around all things food, eating, body image and nourishment. Here we'll explore and unpack all the things that gets in the way of us having a kind, compassionate relationship with food and eating in our bodies and also how we can find our way back to joyful nourishment in our everyday lives. I'm your host, Lynn Thorstensen, a registered nutrition therapist and body image coach based in the west of Ireland, and I am so glad that you're here. Today we have Louise George, who is a humanistic integrative counsellor. She's a senior yoga teacher and a certified mobility specialist. Louise utilizes a holistic approach to dealing with a variety of physical and emotional issues and is particularly interested in combining tools from yoga into therapy sessions as a means of improving nervous system regulation. She offers group yoga classes and one-to-one yoga sessions, as well as individual therapy sessions and workshops. And Louise's specialist area of interest in, for ter- therapy is in eating disorders, and she has over 20 years of experience working in this field. She's also a coach for Eating Freely, which is a six months program for people with emotional eating issues. And she has her yoga studio in Douglas, County Cork in Ireland. So thank you so much for being here, Louise. And we know each other, so this isn't like the first time we're having a conversation, but it's really cool that you're here with me for this experience. I'm delighted to be here. So I was thinking I'm always curious I think about people um what brings them to the work that you do that you do so you know your work is really embedded in yoga therapy and centered around I know you do work outside of the eating disorder field as well but like you do a lot of work with that and that was kind of your original background right how you come to that work so if you want to share a bit about the background story to like how you come to work as a counselor, as a therapist, a yoga teacher, and also in the, in the space of, of eating issues. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it all kind of happened quite organically, really. Um, as a teenager, I struggled with my own eating issues. So I was uh, anorexic and I was bulimic and I binge ate and, you know, so... And that probably went on for maybe five, six, seven years or something like that. So obviously, having had that personal experience, that's really where my interest was. Firstly, in just sorting myself out. And then, you know, that urge to want to sort of pass on what I'd learned and maybe help somebody else out. So I did take some time for traveling and things like that and um, and to do my own work on myself and then I decided that I thought maybe counselling might be something that I'd enjoy. I had a degree already in sort of communication studies and sociology and psychology. So I already, you know, I already had an interest in people and the way, you know, things worked and how people ticked. And so that that was something that I decided might fit for me. And I just thoroughly enjoyed every minute of my training. So that's kind of the, the field that I went into. And and the decision to work with people with eating problems was sort of an obvious one I think but it's it's difficult to go into a field that's been very personal to you so 
you know, that took a bit of time to kind of make sure that I was really over my issues and that I wasn't going to get sort of pulled back into anything. But um, that didn't, thankfully, didn't happen. And I, I had a sort of probably 12 year career in the UK of working in specialist eating disorder services. So okay. that's really the background to the counselling side of things. Yeah. I didn't know that actually that you had a degree in sociology and psychology before you started the counseling journey, which makes sense. Like that the leap was quite short then from there yeah. on to the, the kind of the well, I, professional I application. It, yeah, I worked actually my first job after university was uh, in a local TV station, a sort of um, cable TV so we made lo local TV programs for the local people, using the local people as kind of um, our cameramen and women and presenters and stuff. It was a brilliant job. But that was me thinking, oh, maybe I'll go into sort of television or, you know, I quite like the idea of being a researcher. Okay. Again, I was really curious about what made people tick. So it was always been that. And I think in every job application or, or CV I've ever written, I've said, I, I'm interested in what makes people tick. <laughs> so Very that, interesting. I've been yeah. writing that since I was 18 years old, you know. <laughs> yeah. And that, that that's a good quality, I think, as well, to bring to the table as a mm. as a counselor, but also like as a yoga instructor and kind of that sense of that sense of curiosity. I also I think, want I, I think it could go. It's interesting because I have a daughter who's a bit the same and she's quite interested in marketing. You know, and again, you kind of need to understand what makes people tick for marketing. So it's kind of, yeah. you know, it's a basic thing that could go in many different directions. But I suppose because of my own experiences with eating disorders, that was, you know, the more obvious one for me. Yeah, but it was a good point you made as well. Around, because I think a lot of people who work in the field, not everybody, but a lot of people come to it through their own personal journeys. Definitely true for myself. But being aware like even if you're not fully fully recovered but being aware of like the potentialities of like being pulled back or how how the work could affect you and just I suppose having the right support mm. around oneself um, as a professional working with other people yeah sure. well I, after I qualified my first job was in um, Liverpool University and they had a psychology service there where the professor who was the head of the service ran an eating disorders unit um and and the funny thing was was I'd been a student at Liverpool University when I was anorexic and so it was kind of full circle for me to go back there as a member of staff but I took that job voluntarily and I didn't get paid for the first six months that I worked there because okay. I was so keen to you know I suppose prove my worth for one but also I just really wanted to do it and I wanted to make sure I was able for it so it was a good a good routine you know especially my own eating disorders were not that far in the past you know so yeah yeah, um, yeah I kind of gradually let myself into it I suppose and how did you then go from there into like yoga what like what sort of led you on to to that well, path and I'm really curious as well in that sense of you know, eating disorder can be really like disem, you know, make us very disembodied. So, mm -hmm. like yoga is that kind of root into the body. And what is that think, kind of pattern? Yeah, I think I was disembodied. And I think, to be honest with you, I think you can work as a psychologist or a psychotherapist or a counselor and still be quite disembodied, you know, disconnected in some ways. I know we're helping our clients get in touch with our feelings, their feelings rather. 
But I think for me, working in that field, I had a really good understanding of what it felt like for clients, because obviously I'd experienced it. And whilst I didn't talk about my own experience, a lot of my clients would kind of either guess or they'd question, have you been through this? Because you seem to understand how this feels so well. So that was an aspect to it. But in terms of me really having a really good relationship with my body, I don't think that that was there, honestly and truthfully at that time. I think I had the intellectual understanding and the experience, but mm. I still don't think that I completely got to that point myself of being really, as you said, embodied. So when I moved to Ireland, um, I was 39, I think. And as I moved to Ireland, as you know, my mum passed away. And I think not just about feeling disembodied, but feeling totally like disconnected from my friends, the country that I'd grown up with, my family. Obviously, I'd lost my mum. I was living in Ireland. I took it all very um, easily, the whole move. I was, yeah, this would be an adventure. And, and the reality of it was actually really difficult. And I'd left mm. my career. And as I said, I think I just was like free floating at the time. And my anxiety levels were very high. And I didn't, I knew again, intellectually, you know, that what anxiety was and, and all of that and different ways to deal with it. And I was qualified as a CBT therapist and all of that. But really I was searching for something more. And I started then getting interested in Reiki and holistic therapies and um, meditation classes and chanting workshops. And I, I like I tried the whole shebang. <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to a point where I sort of had the insight one day I was doing yoga I was going to yoga classes as well and um, and then I had the insight that actually this is all sort of yoga related this is all comes under the umbrella of yoga so I carried on doing yoga for a little bit longer and then I signed up for a yoga teacher training but really it was it was because I knew there was something in it for me I knew that there was mm -hmm. something there that I was missing I also met some amazing people that were very like-minded and that was a really you know really helpful thing for me the connection um but yeah I think yoga showed me how disconnected I was from my body and I don't think I'd even known that you know I don't think I even had an inkling that I was so, so, still so disconnected yeah that is so interesting and do you see that like now when you're working in that space both with therapy and as a yoga teacher like what are you observing in that space like on people's connections with their bodies like I mean I think even even we could say we know we live in a society where we're like mostly valued from the head up from the neck up mm. and you know like I see a lot of people including myself at times we're just like we don't have a concept of where where our bodies are at but like our bodies are always in the present moment it's like the mind can travel everywhere else so I'm just kind of curious like what but what are you observing before I even moved to Ireland, I was I was doing it's funny, really, because I was doing this CBT training, which is, as you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, which I think is quite heady. You know, it's it's very cognitive. <laughs> um, and I really struggled with it because I was a, a, a mother of two young children. And and, you know, I was just a bit burnt out physically. But anyway, I was doing this course and my anxiety levels around this training were so high because I, again, I think, because I was just burnt out, but we went on holiday not long after I'd done that course. And I can remember sitting in this caravan in the rain in the north of France somewhere. 
And I, I sat up in the bed and I thought, if I don't stop doing this to myself, I'm going to make myself really ill. And then I kind of caught that and I thought, hang on a minute, which part of me is doing what to which part of me? It was just this moment of kind of, you know, this lucid moment of awareness where I sort of, when I really thought about it, I realized it's my head that is dragging my body along. And, mm. and so if I, my head, doesn't stop doing this, dragging me along to myself, which is my soul, or I'm going to make myself really ill. And I didn't quite know what to do with that at the time, but I, I had that awareness that I was pushing and pushing and pushing myself and that it wasn't going to end well. But it was around that time that we made the decision to move to Ireland. So I think there was a part of me thought, oh, I'm going to get this lovely space when I go to Ireland and I'm going to sort of learn how to really mind myself better. But the reality of it was that obviously losing my mom and then, you know, this change of scene, it was quite hard. So, but in the end, yeah. I suppose it, that awareness made me go on the search for something deeper, that sense of a bit more embodied. So in answer to your question, I think what I see a lot in, in my yoga students, because they're seeing it as exercise often, mm -hmm. are these kind of A-type personalities as well, where they want to go stronger and they want to, you know, feel the burn or they want to feel more stretch or they want to hold it for longer. And, um, and, and the way I teach yoga isn't really like that. So I can sometimes see the frustration in people that it's not fast enough or we're not going deep enough or... Um, and on the other side, in therapy, you know, I get people then that might cry and then they'll say, oh, I'm sorry, this isn't me. I don't, I'm not I'm not usually like this. And they reject the part of them that's emotional or so you kind of it's interesting. You kind of see on both sides, you know, the people that are that they don't want to get into their feelings and, and either they're pushing through exercise or they're trying to bottle things up and yeah. Um, yeah it's kind that's of that's so i think it's really it's really interesting i suppose because it feels like when i listen to you talk about it, it's like either side of those is still a kind of rejection of the body or a kind of a yeah. dissociation yeah. in a way but it's just like one is like stuffing it down or pretending it it doesn't exist you know that we're not feeling these hard things and the other one is like i just want to feel more or push and try to sort of stretch the limit mm. and it just feels like the opposite side of the same coin and neither which is but both like, but both, help, help both are trying to get somewhere it's like I want to get there and it's like I often ask in my class you know sometimes I'll say we're nearly there and then I go wherever there is you know because like, where is it that we're trying to get to you know and with clients they want to get it all out and, and get put it all away again and and be sorted and fixed and and you know with the the yoga students like they want to get there to the ultimate pose or the ultimate yoga body or whatever it is you know, we're all chasing something I know and it, it's just and it you know when you pass and you think about that and it's like but like what's the end goal like the grave you know yeah. what I mean like like what are we what are we rushing towards or what are we pushing towards mm. in, in the in that larger sense it's like like well one day is over so then yeah like and we're trying not to feel it too much along the way you know whereas yeah mm. yeah it's it's just it's and I have I know you do workshops as well and like that that's one of your things and I know we some years ago pre pre that C thingy um we did we did a couple of collaborations as well and I know your yoga 
like you do a lot of yin and rest yo resting yoga and really like helping people to like move towards that very difficult place of like feeling but relaxing mm. do you well, want to yeah, talk well, a bit more about that kind of work that you do as well in that space do, when I came to yoga when I first came to Ireland like I say I was nearly 40 when I came to yoga and I'm 54 now um but I I actually couldn't lie down on the floor at the end for the relaxation I was fine with the movement part you know um the pushing but <laughs> But the actual just being still and just relaxing was was a lot for me. And and it surprised me. And I, I would find myself feeling tearful when I lay down and, and overwhelmed. And because I guess that's where the feelings were bubbling up, you know. Um, and I see that in students also. I see them struggling, you know, their eyes are opening and closing and they're twiddling their fingers and they're, you know, they're, they're not able to just let go. It's not easy, really, for a lot of people. No. Um, but yeah, we sort of, I suppose I've lost my train there. Where was <laughs> I going? Um, what did you ask me? Yeah, the works, like the workshops that you do around, I know you ran something recently, like around befriending your nervous system. And I know in like in those workshop spaces, you bring in some theory and then movements and that yeah. kind of bridging that gap right, around, yeah. you know, using movements also as that space of connecting with our emotions. Yeah. In our landscape. And I think it's sort of it, it does take both. You know, it's like movement is great for for some people and stillness is great for other people. And not everybody can be still and not everybody wants to be constantly moving but I think like with the workshops what I'm trying to do with my workshops at the moment is really blend the therapy and the yoga in a way that you see with yoga obviously there's a whole you know yoga philosophy the philosophy of yoga actually ties in quite well with a lot of sort of therapy theory um but what I'm trying to do is help people to sort of um connect to their body by slow gentle mindful movement so like my yoga classes are not really particularly strong but we will move all parts of the body in as many different ways as we can and do that mindfully so that you're sort of connecting to your fingers and your toes you know um it's not about making a shape it's not about creating a pose it's just about the experience of being in your body and then when I'm doing the workshop, particularly the workshop I'm running at the moment, the, the nervous system one, I'm trying to explain to people how, you know, really what our body wants and what our mind and soul want are to feel safe. Um, and I think that just took me a really long time to really understand that, that nearly everything that I've ever done has been to try to make myself feel safe. So like with the eating disorders that I had, I was either binging and trying to stuff feelings down, you know, with food, or I was starving to try and numb myself that way so that I didn't really feel anything. I was trying not to, to, to fill myself up, just trying not to feel. Um, and I think, you know, I'm trying to help people to understand that, that whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's addiction, whether it's over-exercising, whether it's, you know, numbing out on the television or online shopping or we're actually trying to make ourselves feel safe and we're trying to get needs met, but it just doesn't yeah. always happen in a really sort of 
um, healthy, using your terminology, nourishing way, yeah. you know, but we are trying. And I think when people can kind of understand how the nervous system works, then it really takes away a lot of this sort of judgment and blame. I think we're really good at beating ourselves up Absolutely. and judging ourselves when actually when you come at that from the point of view of like we are animals and we are nervous systems and we're really, really trying to keep ourselves safe. I think the more that I've understood that, the kinder I've been to myself and the more that really it's like the pennies have started to drop into place. Like, yeah. Um, so like, yeah, and we all have these different, I don't want to go too deep into that, but we all have these different parts of ourselves and sometimes they feel like they're sabotaging us, but actually I still believe even those parts are just trying to keep us safe. I Yeah, I, I would be on the same kind of way of thinking like you and I also feel, but for myself and, and for what I see with the people I work with, it's like when you come at it from that sort of no, like when you can say well it's it's we're doing it for a reason I don't believe I do things for no reason at all it might seem like that on the outside or it might even seem like that for ourselves but like there is if you dig a bit deeper there's a reason and often it is like it's down to that like what you're saying keeping yourself safe or or trying to meet a basic need mm-hmm. like even with the eating like when people are binge eating and it's like well you're probably binge eating because if you haven't been eaten for the last 10 hours or you've been trying to restrict food for the last few weeks or months or whatever, it's like, that's physiology. And like the nervous system is also physiology, right? It's physiology. It's like, you're not defunct. You're just, you're actually functioning quite well. It's just, it's not working so well anymore. It's become a bit maladaptive and like what can be put in place, but it, it does remove that some layer anyway, I think like what you're saying of judgment and shame it becomes so automatic and and you know so habitual that we that it's it's unconscious isn't it so much of it um and i think it's bringing that into people's conscious awareness and so you know it's amazing really how many people come up to me after a yoga class and they've had some sort of insight or they say to me i feel really really centered and grounded when i've practiced yoga and when I go away from a yoga class I feel like I make better decisions because I feel like I make that decision from you know something someplace deeper in me than just in my head or worrying about what other people might think and that's an outcome that I would try and get from a therapy session but they're getting that outcome just from a yoga class do you know so what they're saying is is basically the yoga the slow mindful movement is bringing them back into connection with themselves and when they're in connection with their self, they, they know what they want. They know what's good for them, you yeah. know, whereas oftentimes we're so much in our head or we're so busy working on automatic pilot. We don't know what we're doing or why we're doing it. We're just continually doing the yeah. same things, even when they don't work, you know? Yeah. Or grasping for like looking at what other people are doing or what other people we might think other people think we should be doing or we think we should be doing according to what other people are doing. Like there's all of that kind of external outsourcing instead of when we are feeling so disconnected. So, yeah. But I think that's just what you're talking about. There is like, I've heard people calling it like, you know, using the body as a resource in that work. It's like the body's a resource in your yoga classes that is helping people connect them to themselves. I think I was practicing yoga for a number of years before I had the insight that yoga is therapy, that yoga is we're coming from the body 
and that's having an impact on the mind so like that person saying to me oh I feel so grounded and I'm making good decisions you know they're coming at it from the body point of view but it's impacting their mind and then with therapy you might be coming at it more at the mind and the emotional level but then it's going to impact into your body you know so it's it's kind of coming and I suppose that's the way that I see you know therapists are now going and doing yoga trainings and they're learning about the breath and they're learning these nervous system regulation tools that all come from yoga they've all been in yoga for thousands of years you know it's just that now we have science to explain them and then you've got yoga teachers that are realizing that you know the people coming to them have maybe lots of emotional issues or mental health issues and they have anxiety and 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 that they're going off and learning about therapy more and i think it's how it should be because if we're looking to become more embodied then we can't separate those things off, can we? Exactly, know? exactly. It just goes back to that. It was a Descartes, you know, like we're still living with the legacy of that separation. And hopefully, slowly, we're coming back around to bringing it together. Because it's like, don't go away with like, you know, you don't just take out the brain and go off and give it to the psychiatrist. It's very off you go, you know, you can have a look at this now. But it's, you know, that's kind of part of the system that we're currently like the, the medical model that we're that we're in so you know this is how everybody's trained to think about stuff separately where it's it's actually all one system one person and society is very much focused on doing rather than being you know it's like Shakespeare said to be or not to be he didn't say to do or not to do <laughs> or what's that other one like we're called human beings not human doings but Absolutely. it most certainly feels like that and again that sense of I think it's as like I think Brenda Brown talks about this a lot like and that sort of like badge of honor of you know how how are you doing oh I'm so busy you know I'm like I'm so busy and and then people say and like I start saying sometimes people's like yeah you know how things are going I was like well I'm not that busy but I'll, I'll pick up like you get busier you know like maybe no, you don't like... want to be that busy <laughs> absolutely basically what you're saying I think what we're saying is like trying to slow down and do less and being okay with that is good or important but it's also often really difficult very yeah slow down be the hardest thing I think yeah yeah I mean I could tell a feel <laughs> you do and I could tell a story here of like when I went to my first um silent retreat and sitting still for a couple of days it wasn't actually the silence that was that difficult because what I realized was through the silence of the environment was I could really hear my inner chatter mm. like it was incessant and it was like oh my god would it ever stop you know um, and then also that sense of like what you're saying, what you were talking about earlier in your yoga class in the beginning, like how difficult it was to just do nothing. I think it was two days into this. It was three full days of silence and like two half days either side of that. And we were in the second day and it was like excruciating. I was actually in quite a lot of physical pain as well from sitting still. Mm. But just uh, just like I just wanted to do something like anything like chopping a few vegetables was like mm. such a joy because I was doing something where it was so challenging to just like sit and noticing how my mind literally never stopped talking. 
And I think that's like, I always say to people in my yoga classes, when we come at the beginning or at the end, when we come to stillness, notice as you come into stillness, as your body becomes more still, what happens in your mind? People's minds just start bouncing, like, you know, oh, I didn't put the thing out for the dog and I got to collect that thing and I forgot to tell him I'm going to phone and later on I'm going to, and it, it's just like, but it's the, I suppose it's the skill of just acknowledging, wow, look how busy my mind is, you know, like, like you would, oh, it's a really cloudy day, you know, but we don't feel like, oh, I've got to analyze every thought, I've got to follow each one, I can just let it be cloudy, you know, and be, yeah. but for to me lying on the floor that was like after I'd lost my mum and I think that I'd powered through that a little bit because because obviously I'd just moved to Ireland and my kids were small and I was trying to help them to settle and obviously they were my priority and and I don't think that I was able to really grieve as fully because I had kids around me the whole time um, and I didn't have the people around me that I would have grieved with you know one of whom yeah. was my mum and some of my best friends in England and stuff so I think I'd held on to a lot of that grief and even just those short five or ten minutes at the end of a yoga class just lying down and closing my eyes and going inwards was enough to you know have me I had little pools of tears in my ears <laughs> you know they sort of slid out of my eyes but like that like silent tears that were just I was like I was leaking you know it was um, yeah so just coming to stillness can be very powerful and slowing down and just being with is is very hard for a lot of people very yeah. hard and I think incredibly healing like if you can like what I found in that retreat it was actually at the end of it, it was transformational it was it, it opened up something that I I had never experienced before like because of the space and the the container and it just kind of I know it's hard to explain but it it was like there was a shift to actually because I had sort of like you know moved through it and it was that it's that moving through if I had if it had gotten too much and I'd just gone home in the middle of it I wouldn't have got to that to that other end but it just felt like oh this is ah oh, there's like this is peace and it's like oh just moving slower at least for a few days before I was sort of uh, integrated back into it it is so hard and it can be so painful but it is also so healing and in a world where since we got the smartphones like you and I are a bit older so like we grew up with all out all this technology but like it, it, this stuff similar is like all the time constantly so you have to almost like you have to do these things on intention, like going to a yoga class where somebody gives you permission to lay down for 10 minutes or going to a retreat and, you know, where you've been told, turn off your phone uh, for a few days or whatever, that it's like, it's almost like we have to, we have to intentionally set those breaks because they're not there. Everything is just filled constantly all the time yeah and it is it, and it, it's like you say it is it's the it's the going through it it's it's like you can't go around like emo big emotions and you, you know you have to go through them but I think even when you bring that again like I often say what we do on the mat is what we do off the mat so like if I have somebody in my class and you know maybe I'm doing like if I'm teaching say some salutation there's a certain flow to that that you know which pose is coming next and you get sometimes people and they've moved on already to the next pose 
before I've even called it out, you know, they're, they're getting on with it. They're, they want to get there wherever there is again, <laughs> you know, but, and sometimes even if I see that I, I might change things up a little bit so that they don't know what's coming so that then they have to stay with it. But even the thing of like, if you hold a yoga pose in a yoga flow class, you go through the pose into the next pose and into the next pose. The way I teach it is, is Hatha yoga and we would take a pose and then we breathe into the pose so you breathe and you use the breath to create the space and to create the stretch and to open through the rib cage and you know you're staying in it and you're breathing into it and it's kind of bringing that then into therapy oh I noticed something you know move through you there or you appeared to be feeling something what was the feeling and can we stay with it you know, because oftentimes we're straight into our heads. Oh, well, you know, I was just thinking that blah, blah, blah. No, but what were you feeling? And can you, can you breathe into that? Can you let that stay there for a while and just feel it? You know, and it's, so it's, it is, it's slowing people down and allowing them to experience and to stay with and to let it move through. It's very, very powerful. Yeah. And how do you see that? And I suppose we're thinking, we're talking about, you know, our relationship with food and eating. And when we're struggling with that, because it is that kind of like mm. trying to avoid those difficult feelings or we're using food to numb out or we're using restriction to numb out or not to feel. And like creating that space to actually building capacity to be with our inner experiences. Like what are the, what are a couple of things that say if you were sharing with people that are listening that what you have found useful for yourself or in your clinical work? I think it, it's so difficult to say because everybody is so unique. And I suppose, you know, having had, an, having had a range of different eating disorders, I've experienced, as I said before, not eating as a way to feel kind of almost cleaned out. I'm like empty. I'm just hollow. I, there's nothing going on here and the denial of any neediness and a denial of any feelings just this kind of echo chamber of emptiness you know I've, I've experienced feeling like that or, or craving feeling like that I've then also experienced the other end of that where I've been eating so much food so quickly that I cannot fill myself up that I am like that bottomless pit and nothing is making me feel satisfied and that need is never ending and my needs are overwhelming me um and I've experienced everything in between you know it's interesting actually I was in I was in Liverpool there a couple of weeks ago and we went for breakfast and we just had I think it was like sourdough bread and eggs and and avocados and just a really kind of normal sort of brunch and <clears throat> but it just I remember sitting there and saying god I feel really grounded after that I feel really like just satisfied and mm. nourished you know and and it's not often that I I really focus on that feeling but just in that moment I was like oh yeah that feels really good and I feel really solid and steady and and it just made me think about all those years that I'd spent in these opposite ends of that spectrum of totally empty and never full enough and yeah but I think with I think with clients it's a case of teaching them to stay with the feelings and to be with those feelings and not run away from them. And I think that's, that's the first thing. Um, and oftentimes when I'm working, not necessarily just around food, but with, with emotions in general, I'll sometimes say to a client, do you want to maybe bring 
your hand and place it onto your chest and just feel the weight of your hand and feel the warmth of your hand and feel that connection of your hand and your heart and just to kind of connect to yourself to your body and to breathe into that space and to see what's coming up for you and and it's amazing how many times that will often make somebody cry you know it's like they they're suddenly checking in and they're but they're feeling in um yeah. and I, I think there's just so much and, and listen I've done this like more than anybody rationalizing and analyzing and being in my head I'm a very very heady person um and I love that I love that analyzing things and going off down rabbit holes I I'm <laughs> as do you I know we spend mm. many three-hour lunches doing things like that. <laughs> but, um, you know but but really that the simple act of coming back to myself and going, how are you? You know, how am yeah. I at this moment? It's really, that's where the work is, you know? Yeah. I also love that kind of hand on chest and stuff. And that's just taking a few, yeah. like, like literally both in my yoga classes and in my counseling sessions, you know, I'll often say, just take a breath in and then just let it go. Like, <sighs> you know, like breathe out through your mouth, side out, blow it out, whatever you want to do, but then breathe in again and let it go. Yeah. And breathe yeah. in again and let it go. Ah. Three breaths, yeah, is enough to connect. It's enough to just give you that space to go, okay, yeah. where am I now? You know, and as something yeah. or as, you know, just to really feel. But, but that simple act of a hand on your heart and a few breaths, <clears throat> can be so powerful you know and so and simple and those are things as well that are available to us at all times you know it's not like we need this particular device or tool or like these are very accessible ways of, of connecting with ourselves and with our and body based as well like and that's yeah, and like using the body as a resource yeah to my students and my clients your breath is with you everywhere you go and every breath is happening in this moment it's not happening in the future we can't breathe into the future we can't breathe the breath that we breathed in the past it's now so if you can connect to your breath and just focus on the breath moving through the body then then that is bringing you into the now and it's like you say yeah. it's so simple yeah so i wanted to i want to wrap up but um i have two questions that i wanted to ask you and as this podcast is called Joyful Nourishment, I want to ask you, what does joyful nourishment mean to you? Like what, like what, do you, what comes to mind when you think about joyful nourishment? I suppose the word that comes to mind is, is satisfaction. And I think, I suppose it's, it's sort of to, to kind of meet my needs, whatever that might be. So to fulfill needs but to do it in a way that is pleasurable so mm. and I and I guess that could be you know you're talking about joyful nourishment that could be a, a really lovely meal that's got lots of different textures and flavors and that's just triggering all those lovely dopamine hits and you know it's really tasty or it might be that I'm sharing a meal in a lovely environment with with people and we're having fun and, and laughing and chatting and maybe the food's not even that great but the the satisfaction comes from you know the environment that we're in yeah. the, the company and yeah, the conversations absolutely. and those things 
So I guess, yeah. I guess that satisfaction can be, as I was thinking about joyful nourishment, I was thinking, you know, emotional, spiritual, or physical, those, though, all those different levels really. And that they might, it might not be every box that's ticked, but one yeah. or other of them, you know? Mm. Yeah. So satisfaction is a, yeah, that's a, it's a, that's such an interesting a powerful concept as well in particular in the space around their relationship with food and eating I think um yeah, yeah being able to part. know like like when I gave that example of having that brunch when I was away the other week that's what I was feeling really satisfied really really because I was with a good friend who I don't see very often the environment was lovely and the food was great and tasty and then I just felt like this sense of you know I'd eaten enough but not too much and I just felt really satisfied so it was kind of that it ticked yeah. a lot of boxes for me a lot that. of boxes mm. but, but yeah I think when I had eating disorders I was so in my head and disconnected from my body that I don't think you know that that was even something that I could have have easily yeah noticed you know how satisfied and, and maybe I wasn't directed either to to think of it on that level which I would do now with my clients you know I'm very much more um aware of the need to feel that whatever you've eaten has satisfied something you know like I was yeah. eating there before we came on um the corn cakes and they were so crunchy and I thought oh I really needed that crunch you know I just yeah sometimes we just, yeah. we, we just want to we just need that sort of box tick don't we that for satisfaction yeah. and I think that's I important like being aware of that as well. And when we're in the throes of, of struggling with our relationship with food or our body, it's like that satisfaction is a really foreign concept or it's something, you know, and you said earlier as well, like pleasure, doing things that are pleasurable. And that's, that's a whole other, there's a whole other conversation that we could have. But um, I think there's been really a lot that I'm hoping people will take away from this conversation that we've had today. Yeah. So... I think it, I think it's just uh, I suppose as a last thought you know me and my my it's all about connection <laughs> mm -hmm. so yeah so tell me kind of like because that leads us really nicely into where people can find you yeah. and if they want to connect with you online and the work that you do online as well particularly the people want to do yoga with you they can do that online right yeah 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 I was I was thinking about we're talking about workshops and I think I'd love to do a series of workshops called it's all about connection and then like maybe have one doing you know connection to your inner child and connection to your physical self and connection to your authentic whatever I don't know like but all these different levels that we need to connect to ourselves and to each other so yeah, yeah. um so where can people find you? Instagram, um, Instagram is yoga underscore with underscore Louise. That's my sort of, see, I'm split at the moment between yoga and therapy. So I have yoga with Louise and I have counseling connected. And that's my more my kind of counseling side of things. And then um, I have also two websites. I have douglasyogacenter.ie and I have yoga connected.ie. Um, so I'm a bit all over the place at the moment in terms of That's okay. And yoga connected is your online yoga library where people can, yeah, can become I a member, a, right? And yeah, but there's other information there as well about counseling and different ways to connect to me with me there and to book into sort of in-person classes and things like that. Okay. And then people can contact me directly by email obviously and my telephone numbers are right there okay. all over the and i'll put the link to all your yeah online stuff in the show notes as well so thank you 
Luis, and uh, I know we could keep going for a few hours, um, <laughs> but but not today. So um, yeah, thanks again for for doing this with me, and thank you I hope people me. find it useful. Good, thank you so thank much. You. Bye. Thank you for listening to Joyful Nourishment. This podcast is produced solely by me with no financial backing and your support means a lot to keep this project going. If this episode has been helpful in any way, it really helps this podcast to help others if you click like, subscribe or leave a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to this podcast on. And of course, you can also subscribe so that you won't miss any future episodes find out more about what I do in my private practice and what I offer over on straightforwardnutrition.com and I am currently taking on new clients so you will find a link to book in for a free 30-minute session in the show notes if this is something you're interested in and finally please come and join the joyful nourishment community over on Substack by subscribing to my newsletter.